Hello and welcome. I'm Eric. And I'm John. And this is the Wikipedia Chronicles. This is usually a podcast where we start with a random article, explore it, and then follow the links and see where it takes us. But yesterday's ending topic, well, not yesterday, last week's ending topic. Not earlier today's. (laughs) Definitely don't record these on the same day. Yes, last week's uh, ending topic was just a little too weighty and interesting to only give a very very brief synopsis of so we are going to start where we left off and dive into internet so john why don't you kind of remind the listeners of what we've been talking about well mainly we started off talking about how overwhelming this article is (laughs) it's definitely one of the longest ones we've seen so far uh, and that includes quite a number of rather in-depth academic fields. But cutting to the chase, we have the internet, which was basically started off as a packet switch network in the early 1960s. No- notable, notable ones include uh, ARPANET, uh, the Merit Network, Telenet, and uh, ARPANET in particular eventually led to development of internetworking, which, of course, led to the term internet. That's kind of where everything started coming together in Mm -hmm. a form that would be the ultimate uh, kind of nest egg of what the internet would become. So, after ARPANET started connecting uh, various different computer labs in California, in uh, University of California, Santa Barbara, UCLA School of Engineering, and University of Utah, for example, uh, they started to kind of broaden the uh, connections within this internet system. So it just kind of started in California and then expanded. Right, elsewhere. And uh, really early on, it was pretty much exclusively a United States thing. So mm. when we think of the internet now, of course, it's like this worldwide sensation. Everybody everywhere has the internet. Who doesn't have internet? <laughs> what kind of backwards country doesn't have internet? Mm-hmm. Well, a few, admittedly. <laughs> but uh, even there. there, you could get some kind of satellite internet going on. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, there's the internet starts out very local, oddly enough. Uh, all of the colleges that had it were either in California or Utah, and it was pretty well localized. No, there were bar- virtually no internet connections aqua- across uh, international lines. Every There were some other internet-type systems, like in London and around the UK, but they didn't go anywhere. Mm. They just sat and talked to each other, basically. So we kind of see like this 
small group era of the internet where there's mm-hmm. local communities using the internet to talk to each other, but they're not really thinking about the bigger picture yet. Right. <laughs> they're just like, hey, cool, we can chat across our computers. Which, I mean, yeah, that's <laughs> neat, but uh, you, you push the envelope on that whole idea <laughs> a little bit. So all that ARPANET stuff seemed to date back to around the late 60s, early 70s. Yeah, yeah. It was kind of a Cold War thing, but it also doesn't seem like it was explicitly, you know, made by the military like mm. a lot of people seem to uh, seem to think. ARPANET definitely had its roots there, maybe got some funding and some interests from that, but it looks like it was primarily an academic interest. Uh, eventually... What happened was the National Science Fund, or sorry, the National Science Foundation developed uh, the Computer Science Network, and that was in 1981 after ARPANET expanded. And in 1982, the Internet Protocol Suite, or, you know, the first IP addresses, basically Mm. started rolling out, and uh, the standardized concept of a worldwide network was kind of finally introduced to the world so it took it a good 20 years or so yeah so that's like 1982 they were already talking about worldwide network capabilities and but you don't really see the internet as we know it come about until the 90s really yeah i mean the 80s even was still just very very infantile for the internet and it's kind of surprising to see how slow the initial stages of development for this were considering how fast the latter stages of it have been um eventually the mid 90s rolled around and that was when you started seeing things like uh voice and instant messaging uh Hmm. email became near instant as well and there wasn't a lot of delays or uh, you started seeing a lot more latent connections, things that were basically able to uh, actually carry fair amounts of data and mm-hmm. make the internet broaden in purpose and in practicality. It says here that the first like internet was at uh, 56 kilobits per second, which is staggeringly slow, and um, I don't think we could function at that speed <laughs> well we tried for a while that would be our uh friend dial up yeah. and if you remember like there were some i forget what had it what was it like the sega saturn i think might have been a video game system that tried using the internet at oh, first and uh the dreamcast and, the dreamcast, and they only had like 28 kilobyte per second modems, <laughs> which was half again as much as 56 and 56 was painful i remember using dial up and just it was it was awful just a yeah, little like a I mean, blog like, and it's not even one of those things where you're like oh well at the time it was huge like at the time it still sucked yeah yeah <laughs> like i remember like sitting there just waiting forever for a page to load or right. for a picture to load it was one of those situations where after a while you thought maybe i should just have gone to the library <laughs> instead i'd be able to finish reading this by now if i just went and bought the paper like why am i doing this and why am i paying for this because usually it wasn't free i mean you had yeah. net zero as an option back then and it was actually still zero dollars yeah. um but uh i'm like now where you have to pay money 
but there's still like you were still kind of like why and now i can't receive you couldn't receive phone calls mm-hmm. like at first dial up entirely used your phone line and you could yeah. do, and you didn't have a cell when phone you were yet. on the internet you were off of the phone which was terrible because <laughs> at the time the phone was like the phone was great the yeah. phone worked you could call somebody and hear their voice instantly you didn't have to wait mm. for it to load or buffer and that was your line to the outside world, whereas <laughs> the internet was kind of like some people had it, some people didn't, and even yeah. when the ones that did, it wasn't really fast. Mm-hmm. And when it was first introduced, it was on a how much you use kind of payment system, more or less. Oh, was it gross? I didn't yeah. pay for it, so I don't I, know. <laughs> but when I remember um, my first real memory of witnessing the internet was i went over to a cousin's house and they had the internet and we were like oh whoa let's go check out the internet you know and they just kind of like <laughs> got Classic on the internet kids and they hopped on their up. hoverboards surfed up the stairs <laughs> you know and then it's like oh we can't use it too long or else it will cost more money so what <laughs> i can't believe that was a yeah. thing it's essentially the same thing as phones that kind of have a data cap oh, almost right. you know like yeah. the more you use the more you have to pay right but yeah i remember it was like that for at least a couple years when it was first introduced um but yeah eventually they finally went with the monthly rate which is a good yeah <laughs> yeah that was a nice standardized thing across the board i mean they can still slap you on the wrist you and if you if you use too much but now it's way harder to do <laughs> Like, you got to be trying to yeah. violate a lot of the caps they have now. Well, I mean, the next step up after 56 kilobits per second mm-hmm. was 1.5 megabits per second. Jeez, that's a jump. Which, yeah, that's a lot more. And that that would be your DSL. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's definitely a major step up. But even by today's standards, that's still, like, way behind the times you go to a place where all they have is dsl and it's it feels like that dial up again yeah yeah even though it's still way faster yeah because dial up wouldn't be able to load like our web pages have just become <laughs> far more refined yeah we're beyond the days of immense pixelization of everything that you go to <laughs> um the of the geo cities web page is dead so we have to <laughs> Have to like deal with this brave new world of I everything being a little bit more. GeoCities still exists oh, as a website. I don't think it does. I think like the oh, la- it redirects the, you to Yahoo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One of the last yeah. remnants of GeoCities pages is the Space Jam website, mm. infamously, and that yes. one's still up, still sponsored by WB, no less. Somebody, yeah, they're still paying for it. I don't know why they didn't let that one expire. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's a classic GeoCities webpage. Maybe uh, it might even be an Angel Fire web page come to think of it it's really it's really basic though <laughs> um oh man it is beautiful though oh yes it is a cla- it, that is a classic uh, internet thing right there another classic one uh that was from the very early days of the internet we're talking like late 80s here is this blog by this italian guy by the name of scruffy uh, Scaruffi is uh, an Italian music critic, I believe. He he writes, a, he critiques a lot of stuff on his website. But he's had his really basic GeoCities-looking blog page since the late '80s. It's one of the first sites on the internet, and it's still going. Guy's still doing stuff on it. Wow. Yeah. So after uh, we had the 
upgrade the DSL. We eventually got some fiber optic stuff happening. Uh, that goes up to as big as uh, 1.5 gigabytes, <laughs> gigabits per second. Some of them 10 gigabits per second. And that's your uh, Verizon Fios networks, your Google Fiber networks that you're seeing to gradually take hold in urban areas, but not here, uh, <laughs> which is a problem yeah. for a lot of people. A lot of a lot of. Uh, metropolitan areas around the country are still kind of crying out hoping that uh, we would get that technology soon mm. which is uh, I think a, a legitimate plea at this point other countries have had way better internet networks across the board yeah. for much longer than we have now and yeah. we're kind of lagging even though we developed the technology yeah there are definitely still a lot of areas in the United States that don't have good internet access oh yeah they have options but they are very very poor options yeah some places the dial-up option is still one of the few mm. uh things that they're able to get so it's because yeah you can have a phone pretty much anywhere in yeah. the united states but it's far from uniform i mean mm. the delivery of the internet still uh although it has been growing i mean it's it's grown a lot the internet mm-hmm. has, I mean, the, just because it's not uniform doesn't mean that it hasn't grown exponentially. Uh, looking at just the statistics here, we're talking about in the 90s, the internet grew by uh, 100% per <laughs> year. Per year. Mm-hmm. Uh, annual mean growth was thought to be between 20 and 50% as far as actual users went, but how many people were using it for multiple different things and how many different applications that were coming out on the internet was going up by 100% per year. Hmm. Um, basically, uh, we see a huge turnaround in the 2000s. They have some worldwide internet user stats over here. Uh, 2005, there were 84% of the world population. World population now. Mm-hmm. We've jumped from just being within California to mere 40 years later talking about the world population 84% not using the internet that's kind of shocking in, 20, in that, 2005 that big of a percent in 2005 because that yeah that's a year before I graduated high school yeah that's not that's that long ago really like, <laughs> that's mind boggling to me because yeah. I remember like everybody in the area having internet right like, it, se- it just seems like it was the thing you know like yeah people just had it by then yeah but uh, as it turns out, they didn't. And now uh, the most recent statistic they have here in 20 th- is in 2013, where only 61% of the people were not using the Internet, which, yeah, that's still a lot of people not mm-hmm. using the Internet. But at the same time, that's a huge jump. Yeah. Considering. That's 20% in 10 years. Yeah. Considering it was probably about one less than 1% in the late 60s <laughs> yeah yeah that's huge 70s. yeah I, I mean the internet has with its growth of the amount of data that can be put through it has also changed entirely the way that we interact with one another that's for sure yeah now that it's actually had a chance to really permeate the entirety, or at least a, a lot of people, mm-hmm. I would say the majority of Western society has been yeah. entirely, you know, engulfed by. Uh, it's really changed our social behaviors, how we interact, how we shop, and that kind of leads us down to about the social impact heading here. 
in the article, which kind of goes on about that at length. Mm. Here's an interesting statistic. In 2010, um, there were 1 billion Google searches every day. Jeez, every and, day? And 300 million internet users reading blogs and 2 billion videos viewed daily on YouTube. So how does that work? How are there 1 billion Google searches per day and yet there are 2 billion videos <laughs> on YouTube viewed per day? Like, Where are they searching for the video? Hmm. Do they just know what the, maybe what they the URL is? I mean, they could. Or maybe it's linked. That, that's it. That's One person why. Googles it and then they send the link to 5 people. Yeah, Yeah, that would make sense. Still, that is huge. That's mm-hmm. absolutely massive. There's only 7 billion people on Earth, and every day, according to those kind of statistics, it seems as though two-sevenths of them watch a YouTube video, mm. which is impressive. I mean, that's still not the bulk of the Internet. According to a 2014 statistic, there were 3 billion users in the world of uh, the of the internet, however, only two, th- uh, however, only one third of those people were from countries outside of affluent nations. Two thirds of those people were all within affluent countries. Hmm. Which isn't surprising, but yeah. it does show that we do have some room left to uh, room left to grow to make it truly a worldwide web as opposed to a western wide web western wide (laughs) western wide web yeah (laughs) (laughs) and these um, they kind of break down the internet usage statistics here Um, it's a almost an even split between English-speaking users and Chinese-speaking users. Uh, English-speaking users make up 27% of the internet user population, and Chinese-speaking people make up 25%. So those two languages alone make up 50% of all internet users. Meanwhile, though, you have the statistic right below that where it says that website content itself is written in English 53% of the time. (laughs) So, meanwhile, Chinese websites, there's only 4% of the websites on the internet are written (laughs) in Mandarin. That's it. For 23% of people, they're going to 4% of the internet. Presumably, if, if they know English, then I guess they have a lot more open to them. But yeah. if you don't know English, you <laughs> don't know the majority, literally the majority of the Internet. Well, it does make sense considering it originated in the United States. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, for the most part. Well, the United States and then the other option was Britain. So, yeah. I mean, you have English <laughs> and also English yeah. to be kind of the basis and the stronghold for this. Um, it also probably isn't uh, it probably is a diminishing factor now too considering how i'm sure that a lot of people in various countries from various ethnic backgrounds Mm -hmm. know coding and they've all been working on translators things that will help people kind of get to where they need to be as far as the language barrier goes 
And to that end, I'm pretty sure a lot of people, if they ever have a problem with it, they they do what I do whenever I encounter a Japanese site that I want to read. Mm-hmm. I copy it and I paste it into Google, and Google <laughs> tells me something really, you know, hideously broken as far as English <laughs> is concerned. But I, I'll be able to get what they mean. Well, even now, with um, like how web browsers have advanced. I believe there are options within a web browser to translate the whole page true while yeah. you're there so you don't have to go through that extra step. Yeah, that really does kind of tear that whole barrier down to begin with. As long as you're able to see the word translate <laughs> and you know what that means, yeah. you're good to go. I gotta say though, like some of the things that we use the internet for now seem really practical, where other things mm. seem kind of like well, yeah, that's convenient, and I guess we can use it for that, but I don't really know if it's necessarily an improvement. Mm-hmm. Like, for example here, we have virtual universities. That helps with distance education. That helps mm-hmm. people who are far away from otherwise uh, built-up areas get education that they want to have mm-hmm. for their careers. Meanwhile, though, you have things like content management systems, which, according to the Wikipedia article, allows collaborating teams to work on shared sets of documents simultaneously without accidentally destroying each other's work. Sounds fun. Sounds great. But hold on there. What if you actually had a group of people in the room? (laughs) They're not going to destroy each other's work there either, are they? I mean, it really just prevents them from getting up off their butts and going (laughs) to go meet with each other. Because if you've ever worked in a group project, very seldomly has anyone stood up in the middle of the room and set fire to it. It's right. never been an issue of somebody grabbing an eraser and, you know, just <laughs> going to town and getting rid of everything you've just done. That that does not happen. So, I mean, I understand, I understand, I understand the utility of not having to travel <laughs> and not having to, like, make as many arrangements to meet up with one another. But sometimes, sometimes I think that, you know, you could almost lose more of a collaborative element by going through internet software mm. when you're working on like, a group project. And you kind of need that in real life cohesion going on to be able to work at your best. You can gather around a computer together. I don't see any Mm -hmm. problem with that, but, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's also probably part of the whole um, social network society that we live in now where most of our interactions are through the internet already. People probably just feel the need, like, yeah, why get together when we can just do this over the computer? True. And, I mean, that goes for more than just, you know, projects. That goes for just blatant socialization. Like, Mm -hmm. why should we get together and watch a movie? Here, here's a link. Go watch this YouTube video. It's fine. Yeah. And, like, you know, video sharing, like, hey, why get together and watch a movie when we can just all sync up the movie on the same website or device or whatever and just watch it all together but not together? Exactly. And, I mean, that kind of... uh, It helps a lot of people discuss a lot of things, but the fact that we have... uh, communities based around that sort of sharing aspect mm. that's always of course open to comments and open to discussion always has led to a little bit of a social problem too we have a lot of instances of cyber bullying people getting really psychologically assaulting on the internet 
uh, various kinds of predators are out there, whether they be, uh, you know, pr- faux princes trying to scam you <laughs> out of your identity or uh, kind of uh, sexual predators who pose as children mm-hmm. in order to try to uh, ascertain some sort of, I don't know, weird, you know, get together with a person, unsuspecting individual, yeah. catfishing, as it were. So uh, it's really an interesting change in dynamic that you, you a lot of people didn't have that that sort of uh, ability to voice their opinions, but in an, an mm-hmm. essentially anonymous and private way before, and have so many people see it. Yeah. And here you have the internet come along and make your anonymous opinions not only able to be seen and recorded. <laughs> but able to be retained indefinitely and nobody really realizing who exactly was retaining it indefinitely. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I think uh, in the last couple of years, we've come to really realize why that might not be such a great thing. (laughs) Seeing how the government has been keeping track of it for a very long time and they don't seem to be letting up anytime soon. Yeah, one interesting thing here is... um says the internet usage has been correlated to users loneliness (laughs) and (laughs) like on the one hand like it's interesting that like using the internet like you are lonely because you're by yourself using the internet right where nobody else is there are other places yeah but at the same time you're connected (laughs) to other people through the internet so i don't know it's a weird dynamic there Uh, for sure like why are people why why do we get in these funks now where we have mm-hmm. the internet in front of us and we're so preoccupied with people on the internet validating us that we forget could just go outside <laughs> could just go to like i mean if you really want you can go to a bar and i'm yeah. sure that some drunkard will validate you it may not be the best <laughs> validation of your life you may not feel great about it but <laughs> they can do it yeah but yeah in that same little blurb there it says uh, the, apparently there is a place called the I Am Lonely Will Anybody Speak to Me thread. What? And there is a link to a Wikipedia article called I Am Lonely Will Anyone Speak to Me. <laughs> that? So I believe that should be, in my opinion, our next thing when we are done talking about the internet. I think we should go there. That sounds <laughs> like... At the very least, an intriguing sociological phenomenon, and at worst, something that's going to be kind of funny to laugh at. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, oh wow, there is uh, a lot of change in how our workplaces shifted because of uh, the internet. Not only in how efficient we have become, but because of how much downtime we perceive uh, ourselves to have yeah. now that technology has made life more efficient. And this has led to something that apparently has a term, I've never heard this, called cyber slacking, hmm. where uh, people become a drain on corporate resources by way of spending 57 minutes a day that they're supposed to be using at work to do work <laughs> uh, instead to browse things like uh, Reddit or their social <laughs> their social networking sites. Um Basically, there are people out there who now also seem to display characteristics of what's becoming known as internet addiction disorder. (laughs) 
where uh, people use internet so often that it interferes with daily life. And uh, that's kind of detrimental. Uh, that's a little, a little scary, really. Hmm. I mean, I know that there are days when I've spent... I know I've spent too much time on the internet. <laughs> but there are, you know always reason for me to get up and go do something else you know it's yeah. never it's never been like too too i mean when it first started out i was sort of i was sort of hooked i admit yeah. like it was really fun to be like oh man i can talk to all my friends but <laughs> over time it was just kind of like no you know what sunlight sunlight's <laughs> real good yeah well that's one benefit of the slower internet is you just get so frustrated and there's you're just like ah, i can only do so much on the internet might as well use most of my time doing other things <laughs> yeah and now the internet's so fast that you can get exactly what you want out of the internet and then just bounce yeah why stick around it's exactly the theme of this podcast is bouncing around on the internet exactly and we're only able to do that because we have fast internet and also immaculate self-control so much <laughs> so that we can only contain ourselves to st- sit in front of our computers for one hour each week <laughs> But yeah, the whole workplace cyber slacking thing is interesting because, like, the faster the internet is and the, the more things that you can do quicker, like, there's only so much work that can be done. So, I don't know. I feel like eventually everything will be so fast that there won't be anything to do. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's, that's become a problem with things like... Uh, mostly just businesses because uh, there are things like shopping that have become so radically different on uh, major internet retailers like Amazon or Alibaba that they've ultimately you know killed off smaller businesses Mm. because how are you going to compete except through (laughs) those storefronts yeah Um, and that's kind of a little along the lines of what you were saying where Mm. there's just so much going on in the internet that makes other things impractical Mm -hmm. but at the same time i feel like that's also kind of making a turnaround too where mom and pop shops now are realizing hey this is how we make a catchy website we just make one of those quick we put it out on social media and people will shop local the internet's not Mm -hmm. only a tool for convenience on an international scale it really can be used to uh set yourself up locally and i think people are understanding that now yeah. at least a lot more than they used to well like one good thing is i i feel like it's um a little bit of a parabola maybe where it's the faster the internet grew and kind of got out of control then like you have these amazons popping up right that are killing the small businesses but then the small business but <laughs> the then amazon's it- popping <laughs> it just this is a funny mental image <laughs> But then, uh, as the internet continues to progress, and technology continues to progress, the mom and pop shops are more able to get into that world, and it's easier for them to create their own online store or tap into social media and all that kind of stuff to make themselves a staple and, you know, kind of assert their relevance yeah, and uh, it's been great for them, I think. I mean, I hear a lot of complaints from some local business owners who mm. will go unnamed. 
But they, uh, you know, there's routine. There are routine complaints about mm-hmm. how social media does charge people for uh, advertising their businesses and stuff. But it's advertising, yeah. and for how many people will see yeah. it, it is relatively cheap. Yeah, I mean, advertising costs money. Yeah, but always. you know, it's never changed in that sense. Like exactly, you always have to pay for advertising. And if you didn't have to pay for advertising, and you liked the show Mad Men check your premises (laughs) just real quick i'm just urging you right now (laughs) so let's see how else has it changed the world we talked a lot about business and social stuff but it's also changed how um politics have kind of come about Mm. both between propaganda and uh elections and fundraising for elections themselves because now unlike before you before people had to go door to door, I remember yeah. doing this in college because I went to college in uh, Bloomsburg, Pennsylvania, which is sort of a rural area. The closest town with over fifty thousand people is at least an hour away in any direction, and it is one of those areas where you definitely know there isn't internet everywhere <laughs> and so it was still a really practical thing to do phone banking to call people up and ask for money on political campaigns to knock on doors a lot of people did that mm-hmm. in college so now though what you see is if they have your email address once they have that you're gonna get emails every <laughs> like half of a day for the rest of your life asking mm-hmm. for money for n- nobody really knows why Especially yeah. after people get elected, they'll still keep asking you for money. <laughs> and even after they've gotten elected for their second term, they'll still keep asking you for money. And you're just kind of like, why? You're done. You're done. Go away. <laughs> why? Why do you need more money? Uh, but that's really a bit of a big change in how uh, source, how campaign fundraising goes mm-hmm. since uh, the Internet's invention. And that goes two ways, too. It's not just for uh, politicking, but crowdsource funding mm, yeah. helps for inventions for philanthropy you can help out kids in a third world country and help families over there get water or start investing in micro investments through mm-hmm. services like kiva where you can literally give a family abroad a chance to start a small business by way of just shipping them like a hundred dollars mm. and then they can turn over that investment and give you 125 back in a couple yeah. of years and that's pretty revolutionary i've always mm-hmm. admired uh those kinds of services you know, one interesting thing about the internet is that it's like you kind of wonder who's running the internet because who is <laughs> running the internet? Does it say? Because it kind of just exists. Um, Usually, yeah. It just says the internet is a globally distributed network. I don't believe comprising that. many voluntary, interconnected, autonomous networks. So they think it operates without a central governing body. So hmm. it's just kind of like people set it up and then they like, okay, I think it's working. Let's just back away. <laughs> that's, kind of, that's kind of what I do whenever my internet <laughs> fails at home. You know, I unplug it. I plug it back in. Look at the lights. They blink. Mm-hmm. I back away and I say, okay, you, you stay right <laughs> there. I'm going to go. I'm going to go try this out. Yeah. It's just a system of people making sure the lights are blinking. Yeah, I think it really is. It's not a series of tubes. It's a series of people saying, "Okay, okay, are you are you blinking? <laughs> are the lights on? Uh, uh, all right, uh, somebody somebody try typing in Google. Google, is it okay? It came up. All right, good. I wonder how many times a day Google is type 
Google is typed into the address bar trying to determine if the internet is working. Yeah, solely to verify <laughs> connection status. <laughs> like, there's, like, we can't believe the little bars at the lower right-hand corners of our screens or upper left-hand corners, depending on what you have for the computer. <laughs> but it's... Uh, we have to we have to use Google. Like Google is the telltale sign. <laughs> if you want something quick that will yeah. load up. Yeah, it doesn't require proof. too much data or anything. It's just a simple thing. And if it loads, you know you're good. If it doesn't load, you know there's a serious problem. Exactly. I would be more curious for that statistic. Like forget actual searches run through <laughs> Google per day. Give me how many just page views Google yeah. has. Like, how many times do people just run it? Mm -hmm. Well, apparently, to maintain interoperability, the principal namespaces of the Internet are administered by the Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers. And that is in California. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, that's just sort of... I guess they kind of are the people who are responsible for saying, okay, we're almost out of space with this particular <laughs> kind of internet address. What we need to do is upgrade it to this kind. Mm. And everybody's going to follow suit because we said so because we made this thing. <laughs> yeah, they they dole out the domain names and the IP addresses and port numbers and all sorts of stuff. Well, that's actually pretty handy information. I always wondered, like, who was in control of that before GoDaddy yeah. bought up all of the domains that they yeah. wanted to sell to other people. Like, who who did that before? I guess that's the answer. Yeah. I wonder if you can contact them directly to buy a, or register a domain name. I've been on some pretty spectacular domain names. I have to wonder, like, what they thought whenever they authorized some of them. <laughs> yeah, there, apparently there's different registries in each kind of not necessarily continent because Antarctica you know well, they don't yeah. really <laughs> a a Antarctica yeah but um, like pretty much most different regions are like continents because there's an African network information center for Africa for all their IP addresses then North America has the American registry for internet numbers and Asian and Pacific region has the Asia Pacific Network Information Center. And then Latin America and Caribbean has its own thing. And Europe, Middle East, and Central Asia has its own thing. Hmm. It's an odd way for it to be divided up. Yeah. I guess Central Asia kind of covers the Middle East rather than going too far over to like India or China because I feel yeah. like... There's a well, the Indian, the India, China, Japan one. That one has to be huge, mm. absolutely enormous. And also, the Central Asia one probably includes Russia. Probably, yeah. And that's another huge. I can see that being a huge internet country as well. Mm. So, now as far as how the internet works and how vast it is, it is something that is still privy to occasional downtimes depending on what maintenance is needed. And mm -hmm. I'm down here under the performance subheading now where it's uh, talking about internet outages. Basically, these can be caused by local signaling interruptions, and they can also have... Uh, we can also have mass blackouts of the internet by way of submarine communications cables <laughs> uh, causing blackouts or slowdowns to large areas. 
and there is a link here to such an event, the 2008 submarine cable disruption. <laughs> uh, land cables, of course, less vulnerable, but of course they don't really cover uh, everything that there is to cover. There's a lot of underwater territory that we need to uh, maintain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder when they crossed or when they laid down the cables across the ocean or yeah yeah because i mean that was the thing that happened (laughs) they did that because like that's a lot of ground to cover yeah yeah and they made it they was a huge cable too because they didn't want it to be able to be broken (laughs) by any series of events so they were kind of like Let's make this thing right. And I remember, I remember seeing a picture of it one time, where it was it was huge. The most recent one's hmm. gigantic. It's it's really impressive that we have this thing running underneath the ocean, and it really seems sort of like we should probably be working on improving our satellite <laughs> technology because yeah, that might be a little bit more practical than running another huge cable from mm-hmm. continent to continent. There's that link to computer crime. Ah, uh, yeah. That one with those stock photos. Well, actually, I don't know if it has stock photos or not. I think we just postulated that it might. Yeah, I think so. Deep Web. It's one of these see also links. Oh, no, not Deep Web. <laughs> also called Deep Net. Oh, no, not Deep Net. <laughs> no, but that, the, 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 deep, the Deep Net's some really, really interesting stuff, but it's also some really scary stuff. <laughs> Like, that's when people started using the internet for crime purposes. Hmm. Well, do you think we're ready to head on over to a new topic? Think we've sufficiently covered the internet? I think so. I think we have covered the internets, which is in quotes and in a link of its own. <laughs> internets. All right, we can go to the... We can, we, I, I'll concede the whole... Uh, I am lonely. Please talk to me. Article to you because computer crime, as it turns out, does not have any stock photos of mm. people using computers in ski masks. So <laughs> I am disappointed, and I feel terribly wronged by that. So let's go to what was it called? I am lonely. Will anyone speak to me? What a name! How is this an article? <laughs> okay, it's apparently. The title of a thread that was posted on the internet forum of the video codec download site moviecodec.com and became the web's top hangout for lonely folk. And it started in July 14th, 2004. That was when the first. Wait. Oh, okay. Sorry. In. 2004, it was the first hit when the phrase I am lonely was entered into the Google search engine. Okay. It says it has since dropped, but I'm curious to where. So I'm going to go to Google really quick and type in I am lonely. Oh, there's tantalizing options there. I am lonely. I am lonely and sad. I am lonely and have no friends. I am lonely in Spanish. Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) So the top links to I for I am lonely now are are uh, there below the Wikipedia page for for I am lonely. Will anybody please speak to me? There are articles now that are retrospectives on the whole uh, fad. Hmm. 
Salon article is rather popular. And it does claim in the Salon article that the uh, threat does, in fact, still exist. The conversation is still going. So if you are lonely, you can go to moviecodex.com and find what has to be now, I'm sure, one of the largest threads (laughs) ever on the Internet. Yeah, it have to be. Ah, there it is. If you go down two links of Wikipedia, one link of Experience Project, one link of 24 Things You Can Do the Moment You Feel Lonely, a little bit below Jack Nicholson's I Am Single and Lonely and Luckily Did Die Alone quote, and a little further still, you'll finally find I Am Lonely, Will Anyone Speak to Me on Google? So this thread is relatively infamous, aside from the Salon article I was mentioning before, and aside from the fact that seventh overall after ten years of being on the internet, whenever you search for I am lonely, which is a pretty simple term, hmm. you have it being featured in things like Wired Magazine, The Guardian, The New Yorker. It's been taken up in various studies. Some universities have used it as sort of a staging ground demonstrating that there's a lot of only people out there some people relying heavily on technology and uh ending up treating it like an electronic friend which is i mean it's just really fascinating to me that something on the internet like that like just that simple has had so much willpower and so many people continue to go there but it is very much still active are you actually on the thread right now i went to the thread just to see. Oh dear. The latest post was yesterday at 2 p.m. Mm. Wait, no, 3 p.m. No, 2 p.m. Sorry. There are 2,220 pages. Pages? Pages. How many posts per page? Uh, let's see here. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. Looks like roughly 8 per page yep it's probably about 18,000 posts oh wait uh, oh wait no there's a no, there's there a, are numbers, numbers. there yeah. 44,000 is where it's at <laughs> yep it's a lot hmm I wonder who posted this this is kind of a fascinating thing my job allows me to meet millions of people every week I am never in the same city twice I am in a five star hotel right now and I am so lonely by most people's measures I am successful. I have a doctorate. I have more money than I need. I eat at the finest restaurants. I never have to pay. I am famous. Women want to be with me. Men want to be me. I can be with anyone anytime. And I am lonely. It's lonely at the top, make no mistake. If you love someone and they love you, you have more than I do right now. Hmm. Just kind of kind of touching, kind of devastating. Yeah. Which just seems to be kind of a trend in this thread. <laughs> but I, I'm legitimately curious who that guy might be. Says he's famous. Says he's Hermes Conrad, but I doubt <laughs> that. Hmm. Well, unfortunately, I don't know if we are going to find a, <laughs> a whole lot of options on where to go from this article. We really don't have many. I was expecting there to be more. We can go into loneliness, but have we have we been to loneliness before? I'm pretty sure we have been to loneliness. Oh no, we've come full circle. <laughs> of course, we could take a different route through loneliness, but I we don't know. We could, but we could also go to things like uh, 
internet forum. That can have some fun options as at least a transitory place. It's true. Yeah, we actually haven't been to loneliness, but we did have that one episode where we bounced through a lot of similar topics. Oh, yeah, the depression episode. I remember yeah. that. That was a real fun one. <laughs> sure, everybody, sure we gained a lot of listeners on that episode. That, that really helped help people stick around. We, we couldn't get out of it, though. Like, everything we went to, it was circular. Like, once you fell into yeah. it, it was like depression itself. Once you fell yeah, into it, true. you were just kind of like, well, I guess I'll click this. Sounds just as bad. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, got Google, got search engine. Maybe we could get some nostalgia going and find out some old search engines. That'd be fun. I think that'd be. It could be interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna do that. Yeah, yeah let's do search engine. Takes us to web search engine. I wonder if there's an actual search engine. <laughs> www.searchengine.com It's actually reserved for searching different kinds of engines. (laughs) Well, looks like one of the earliest ones was W3 Catalog from 1993. Ah, but there was one earlier still. The first tool used for searching the internet was Archie. Mm. The name stands for Archive without the V. It created. It was created in 1990 by some guys at McGill University in Montreal. So the internet was kind of facilitated by the United States. And then Canada started off the whole search engine. They did. And not only did they start it off, they had a theme. As they went on, there was a, there was a rise to uh, another search engine by the name of Gopher. And it led to two new search programs, Veronica and Jughead. The mm-hmm. internet was on its way to being Archie Comics-themed. <laughs> Oddly enough, both Veronica and Jarhead actually stood for things. Hmm. Veronica for very easy, rodent-oriented, net-wide index to computerized archives. <laughs> and I feel like they... Really had to they figure that were, one out. <laughs> they really tried. They tried too hard on that one. Jugheads is Jonesy's Universal Gopher Hierarchy Excavation and Display. Hmm. Which, again, very trying <laughs> too hard. They're like, we don't usually include and in these kinds of things. Uh, we need an A. Just put it in. I'm, I'm honestly just I mean they think that I think they're just really lucky that somebody who helped them make it was called Jonesy <laughs> it's weird though because you're right apparently those faded into nothing <laughs> because the next paragraph in the summer of 1993 no search engine existed for the web well so what the heck happened <laughs> I guess Archie, Veronica and Jughead got into some weird love triangle and they had all all to split up <laughs> looks like MIT started to improve the whole search engine thing by producing the first web robot. What does that mean? What's a web robot? Uh, it was used to generate an index called Wandex. Uh, here we go with the names again. I guess <laughs> I guess it just it, it seems like it was just basically going through the web and 
art like indexing every site it came across to just kind of build up an archive. I guess that sort of makes sense. And it seems like that's kind of a thing yeah. that search engines sort of continue to do from there on out. Like that was mm-hmm. an effective strategy apparently. Yeah, the let's see web crawler. That was in nineteen ninety four. That was the earliest search engine that is still active. For good reason. It was also one of the. It was also the first one that allowed users to search for any word in any web page. So mm. you could actually, you know, that was probably <laughs> the first one we would consider to be the actual first search engine. Right. You would have to know the name of the domain name probably <laughs> before. Which kind of makes it, obs- like. I don't know. Made it really hard. It would make it really hard to navigate. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a just a URL bar at that point, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, pretty much. Ooh, Alta Vista. I remember that one. Oh, Yahoo! I remember Yahoo. <laughs> Is that still around? Hmm. Yeah, it's doing things. Like Community Season Six. It is. People may not know how to find their way through to get to Community Season Six, but it's, it's there, there somewhere. <laughs> Just gotta search for it. Yeah. Search for it in Google. Search for it in Google <laughs> to get to the Yahoo service. Classic Yahoo. Classic. Just, I was really taken aback when I went to the website the day the community premiered, and I thought yeah. they were gonna make a big deal of it on Yahoo. And it wasn't until last week that I finally saw a community be on Yahoo's front page. Wow. Like they didn't care. <laughs> they just figured that eh, if you want to get to it, you'll. You'll just Google it. Just who cares? <laughs> We're not a search engine anymore. Leave us alone. <laughs> and then the next year after Yahoo came Ask Jeeves. Ah, oh, I remember a that one. Yep. I remember going there and you actually type in a question, and then it would do the backwards thing of removing all of the words like what and who and all that stuff to get to what you're actually looking for. It was really just a gimmick. Yeah. So you could feel like you were asking a butler to do something for you. But <laughs> Yeah, and then it wasn't until 1998 that Google came around. But that same year, MSN Search came around, and that is now Bing. And one thing that puzzles me is, like, there are still search engines popping up. Like, as 2015, it says here, justcursor.com. And past few years, there's still new search engines coming up. But when Google exists, do you, you really think that you're going to be able to beat that competition? Well, there is one called Halal Googling. So if you're in the holy Islamic tendency, you uh, mm. may there may be a market <laughs> for for a new search engine for you. Yeah, How are you supposed to filter out all of the things that are against your religion <laughs> on the internet? It's nearly impossible. That's why halal googling is now out there for you. <laughs> there are a lot of weird named ones here in this in this list. There's one like uh, Duck Duck Go. <laughs> I like that one. Uh, this one that's just called Nate <laughs> in capital letters. <laughs> Like Chet from uh, <laughs> Barton Fink. <laughs> oh, oh my! The Nate website is not English whatsoever. Oh, 
<laughs> hmm. What are Korean? Well, if you type in English words, it will search and come up with results. Hmm. What an interesting Korean website. <laughs> it always startles me how much different, like, web pages from other countries look. Mm-hmm. There's always little accents that you can just kind of tell. Like, things are not... This is not something that Google would do, for example. <laughs> like, this is just... It's yeah. just different. It's neat looking, though. I don't know what anything does. <laughs> but it's here. All right, bye, Nate. <laughs> uh, cha-cha. Oh, the days. <laughs> Those were the days. Back before internet on smartphones. Yep. And you <laughs> could just text them or call them and be like, hey, search this on the internet for me. <laughs> it's essentially the same thing yeah. as calling your friend who has the internet available yeah. right in front of him. <laughs> it's the same thing. But that was from like a day when people started to have cell phones, but the people they would call would still have dial-up, so they mm. couldn't call them to say, yeah. hey, Get on the internet, <laughs> and then get back off the internet, and then call me back. <laughs> I didn't want to do that, so. It had its time. Yeah. So if we go down a little bit more, you see a brief explanation of how a search engine actually works. Namely, talks about uh, web crawling, indexing, and searching, which we were ta- talking about a little bit earlier. But if you go down a little bit below that, you'll see what... Uh, search engines have what market share (laughs) and it's interesting that there is this fluctuation here in 2014 you see this search engine by the name of Baidu uh, go from 17% of the market share compared to Google's 68% in July of 2014 but suddenly in October of 2014 almost 30% of the market share of the internet is in Baidu as opposed to Google having only 58%, which is still dominant, yeah, but it's weird to think that there's a search engine out there that's actually giving Google a run for its money in some regions. Well, it just so happens it is Chinese. That explains a lot. Which is the (laughs) other half of the internet. Yeah. (laughs) It's weird, though, that it also dipped right back down. Mm. December of 2014, 11% of the market share. Completely crushed. <laughs> I guess Google must have realized, well, oh, that's a threat, and retooled their services to be better at Chinese. Or maybe, uh, like, Chinese people were like, hey, look, a search engine that is for us. And then they were like, oh, wait, well, Google's better. Why don't we just go back to Google? <laughs> <laughs> that could have been it. Exactly. I mean, when you're behind a large national firewall, there's really not going to be too much you can do to improve your situation. Yeah. Ooh, interesting. Search engine bias is apparently a thing. <laughs> like, uh, and some of, sometimes that's kind of cultural. For example, Google won't surface any, or certain, I should say, neo-Nazi websites in France and Germany where the holo- where Holocaust denial is illegal. <laughs> so, uh... Wow. Sometimes countries uh, kind of request search engines or to do certain things for censorship purposes, but at the same time, sometimes search engines try to be decent people and ignore people who are uh, <laughs> trying to ignore other things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm fine with them not showing neo-Nazi websites because 
It's not like we really need that. No. I think if the Indiana Jones movies have taught us anything, it's that we really don't need more Nazis. <laughs> yep, down here on the faith-based search engines, you get your Hello Google. Ah, uh, Hello Google. <laughs> There's also uh, seekfind.org. Seekfind is a Christian website that includes filters preventing users from seeing anything on the internet that attacks or degrades their faith. Hmm. The Jewish version of that is Juago. What? Or, yeah. They've <laughs> right really be- tried to get that right in there. Right before um, seekfind.org. Maybe, I mean... Juago. How about Jugal? Jugal. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, I guess I guess it would be pronounced that way, but with that O there, yeah. it just kind of... <laughs> it makes you stop. Like, if they just put J-E-W and then Gul, yeah. it would have been fine. I don't know what they're, they were thinking with the other O in there. Now it's Juwoggle. Yeah, it's just... It's weird. All right, well, I think we have time for maybe one more. Or do we? Oh, no, maybe not. No, I think we're at the end here. Man, we did two parts, and the internet still took up, <laughs> I think, 90% of that. Yeah. We only got through three articles this time. It's a good thing we did split it into two parts, then, because that's what... <laughs> a, how many is that total between the two two episodes? That's not that many. Not that many at all. Well, that was impressive. Yep. There's a lot out there about the internet on the internet. Yeah. We only got through 12 articles in these two, so... That's something. Yeah. From the internet to web search engine. But really, from International Stereoscopic Union to web search engine. There we go. The whole shebang. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for joining us here on the Wikipedia Chronicles. You should go ahead and check out our Facebook. It's facebook.com slash TWC podcast. Um, and you can like us and follow us there. And then head over to iTunes and rate and review us because it really will help um, boost our reach and such. Um, so, yeah, and you can always find new episodes on twc.erictoribio.com. Um, and I'd like to thank Louis Armstrong for our theme song and Johnny Dodds for our outro song. Lastly, our totally true fact for this episode is without the invention of the internet, um, time would actually be four minutes behind where it is now because the of the whole, um, you know, internet regulating time and everything. Making sure that's up to par and all that stuff. Anyway, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm trying here. Uh, but yeah, I was Eric. And I was John. And this was the Wikipedia Chronicles. You can just edit out that explanation. <laughs> just, just say the internet. The internet controls time. <laughs> just leave it there. That's fine. Yeah, why not? Yes, well, there's so much Doctor Who stuff on it. 